When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a story centered around getting cheated out of some big money. But first, a story from Avali. My paternal grandmother was deathly afraid of cats, and my cousin used that against her. I wrote about a cat-based revenge story earlier today, and someone's comment made me think of another one involving my grandma and one of our cousins. My grandma was afraid of all cats. She was afraid of them because when she was a child, some boys locked her in a telephone booth with an angry cat that attacked her, and she never got over it. My grandma was crass, but would give you the shirt off her back. She raised a bunch of my dad's cousins when things went sideways with their parents. She was the matriarch of my dad's side of the family before she passed away 10 years ago when she was in her 90s. The oldest of one of the cousins on that side of my family was at the most 10 years younger than her, and she lived with my grandma and grandpa until she got married. At my grandma's funeral, the funniest, most entertaining funeral I've ever been to, everyone told stories about her and laughed until our faces hurt. This particular cousin told a story I'd never heard before about a World War II air raid drill. She explained how, during the drills, you had to go indoors, close all the blackout curtains, shut all the lights, and wait silently. Earlier that day, my cousin had done something to annoy slash offend my grandma, not a difficult thing to do, and my grandma's response was to lock my then-teenage cousin out of the house for a few hours. Well, later that night, when the air raid drill sirens went off, Before coming inside, my cousin went and grabbed the neighbor's extremely sweet and affectionate indoor-outdoor cat and snuck it in the house. Then, once all the curtains were drawn and all the lights were out, she walked the cat over to the bottom of the stairs where my grandma was sitting. The cat then meowed and gently rubbed against my grandma's leg trying to get petted. If the Germans had dropped bombs on us that night, I swear none of them would have been able to hit the house. They would have exploded mid-air from the sheer magnitude of her screams. I think more than anything that this is a display that you shouldn't let your enemies or those close to you know all of your fears. You give one person something they can weaponize against you and you might just come to pay for it one day. It's like telling somebody that's close to you that you're ticklish or even like where you're ticklish. At some point, because you told them, they're probably going to torture you with it. Do you think it's crossing the line using fears or phobias like that against people, especially as a form of revenge? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Nummy Dumpling, Satisfying Petty Roommate Revenge. A few years ago in college, I used to live with four other roommates, and one of them, we'll call her Emily, was the freaking worst. I'll preface it by saying she's way easier to be around now, and I actually told her the story which ended with laughs. But she would verbally scream at us if she thought we touched her stuff. I remember the first time it happened, we'd just moved in and she put her silverware in our public drawer. Didn't specify that she didn't want anyone else using it, and one of us had the misfortune of randomly grabbing her fork. And she screamed, Hey you freaking stupid pieces of crap, does this look like it belongs to you? holding up said fork. No? Then why the freak is it in the dishwasher? 
I remember instantly thinking, crap, I just signed a lease with this person. We were all super taken aback and just said, okay, if you feel that strongly about others using your utensils, maybe you should claim a shelf and keep them separate. She essentially went like, oh, okay, and that was that. But it got worse, and each and every time she'd just really tear into you and call you insulting names for not knowing something she never communicated. The final straw was when someone drew a smiley face in the dust on her rear windshield. Now, she parked on the street, drove to campus, and worked at a nearby mall, so many people could have done this horrendous act. But sure enough, she comes storming home to us chilling in the living room watching something and goes, Which one of you freakers did this? And she shows us a picture of the smiley face. I know it was one of you. Fess up. We just sat there like, um, none of us did that. We've all been here. She screamed, stormed off to her room, slammed the door. So for the rest of the time I lived with her, every time she'd yell at us for dumb crap, I'd get justice by going to her shelf of precious kitchen stuff, which had pans, cutting boards, utensils, etc. And she also had some chopsticks. Now, these chopsticks were laid out perfectly, all lined up in a row, all faced the same direction. So I'd flip a single chopstick the wrong way and leave. It got to the point where she'd see the single chopstick out of line and just scream at the top of her lungs and stamp her feet. Just a whole darn meltdown that shook the whole house. I kind of feel bad by how much distress it caused her and definitely think there was something else going on, but she never once tried to talk to us in any other form besides screaming bloody murder at us and never communicated. A simple, hey, this is my stuff, please don't touch it, would have been all she needed to say. I feel like at some point there should have just been like a sit down where you take this person who's being irate and weird and not communicating very well about how they feel, looking them in the eyes and saying, listen, what is yours? What do you not want to happen? What is okay? And just get that boundary because you're going to have to make that lease work. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is also by Avalay, former co-worker that made our lives harder, was very superstitious. So I got some mild revenge on Friday the 13th. I saw a post on Facebook about how it's silly people are afraid of black cats, and it reminded me of something I did to a former co-worker years ago. I, and most of the staff, needed a little petty revenge because she was always drunk on the job which made her very unproductive to the point someone was literally always picking up her slack on a daily basis and even forgetting how to do basic things she'd been doing every day since she started the job, which eventually got her demoted to associate, not by me, by the big boss. Very simple tasks like how to sign into the cash register. As Friday the 13th was coming up, she mentioned in passing she was very superstitious. And since we were both working that day, I was opening manager, she came in later for a mid-shift, I spent the night before finding and printing a few dozen black cat pics and memes, and a few of my very eager to join me co-workers came in in a few minutes early, and we taped them all around the store before we clocked in. Register drawer, inside the office, break room fridge, all over the lockers, various places in the storeroom even printed one small enough to slip through the slits of her locker, so she'd have to see its cute furry face when she unlocked it. The pranks went extremely well. 
She spent the day stomping around, exasperated and telling us that we were all idiots, spending unpaid time to prank her just like that. The random, ah, not another one, outbursts throughout the day warmed my evil little heart. Unlike the last story, I'm just glad this one isn't like a mortal phobia fear. Like, it's more just kind of annoying and affecting their superstition, which personally I think is a lot less severe than if the person did have a phobia, especially with no respect being thrown their way. Our next story is from an anonymous poster. I was the single friend in high school. Now I'm in the longest relationship out of my past friend group. First of all, dating is not a competition. I'm well aware of that. But if they're going to make me feel like crap when I was young for being single, I can smile at the idea of me being in the longest relationship. My friends in high school used to make comments making me understand that I wasn't good enough to have a boyfriend. Comments about my fashion, attitude, health issues, etc. I was told I'd have to really appreciate if a guy showed interest in me despite my health issues, that I should change how I dress, and I was too loud or annoying or insert other thing about me. It made me sad, but I felt like they were telling the truth. Then I started dating a sweet guy who disagreed. I specifically remember one friend being really upset about being single and saying, even she has a boyfriend, while pointing at me. A girl not in my friend group also once asked why my boyfriend was dating me since he was attractive. I was used to stuff like that. I lost contact with them because life, but one day I got a text from one of them. One of the first questions she asked was if I was still with the same boyfriend. I said, yes, we're going on seven years. She just said, oh wow, cool, and I never heard from her again. A common friend told me afterwards she was frustrated with her dating life at the time. I guess it rubbed her the wrong way. I honestly don't resent them. We were teens. Teens say dumb stuff. I'm not in contact with any of them because we just stopped talking. No drama. If tomorrow one sent a text, I'd have no issue chatting. If they don't, I don't care. Hope they're doing great. Of course, I'm talking about bad things they did, but we were friends. We had great moments together. Our next story is from Second Snack. I guess I'm a salty witch. It was 2012. I got my very first apartment with three friends. Me and the girl shared a room while the two boys shared the other. The girl had us all do a house meeting when we all moved in. She discussed general rules which were common sense things. She explicitly says that if anyone has a problem with someone or something, just bring it up. Okay, no big deal. However, she quickly became the only one in the house to have issues and yet she never brought it up. She would be passive aggressive and be loud in her semi-silent tantrum, like banging the door closed, stomping, slamming cabinets. The rest of us didn't know if she had issues with us or an outside issue, like her boyfriend, that made her moody because she never adhered to her own rule of confronting an issue if it was house or roommate related. Me and her not only shared a bedroom, but a bathroom as well. Over time, I noticed that she didn't wash her hands after using the toilet. Considering I have to touch the same doorknobs as her to go in and out of the room or open the cupboard, I felt it an issue to bring up with her in private. You know, as per her rule, her reaction, attack every single person in the house for what offends her. Me, you leave your water cup on the counter, still using it. Boy number one always plays his computer games loudly. He uses a headset and our apartment just echoes loudly. Boy two doesn't say hello to her when she comes back from class or greets her. What? She proceeds to call me a salty witch, and for the rest of our time together, 
She continues to be passive-aggressive and gets even worse, stealing money from people's wallets, throwing away something that wasn't trash and wasn't hers, hiding a possession to inconvenience someone else, etc. If I said anything to her about anything, she defaulted to calling me salty. So, I decided to get my revenge. She made living with her uncomfortable the second she was ever in the apartment with anyone else. I decided to make her physically uncomfortable. I took some table salt and would sprinkle some in her bedding, enough to make her toss and turn and wonder what the freak was making her so itchy. Salt, because it doesn't attract ants, was small and white to blend in with her bedding, and because it was a safe enough spice to not stain her sheets or be obvious that it was a kitchen spice. She never got another good night's sleep for long. I'd give her a day or two of salt-free sleep to make her think the issue was gone. At least until she pissed me or others off enough to warrant another uncomfortable night, she never found out what it was. No effort on my side, just a tiny sprinkle of salt every few days all over her bedding. If I'm such a salty witch, might as well live up to the name. Her restless sleep made her too tired to put the extra effort into her witchiness and crimes. Yeah, there you go, just treat this as like an irate toddler. Just run out the clock and try to get them to nap as much as possible. You don't have to deal with the witchiness if they're tired and half asleep and, well, sleeping all day. Our next story is by Death of Gotham, screwing over the evil stepmother. So my ex-stepmother of 10 years was an evil bully that left me and my siblings with some pretty bad self-confidence and depressive issues even to this day. Whilst she did everything she could for her two daughters in every situation and always sided with them. It went as far as her hitting us for wrongdoings, but not them. My sister has epilepsy and knows when she was about to have an episode, so my ex-stepmother and my dad had one of two doorbells in their bedroom that she could ring and warn them, and they could make sure she was safe. The second was unused. When she became the ex-stepmother and her and my dad separated, she stayed in my house whilst finding a new place. Obviously, her and my dad didn't sleep together anymore, and when asked to put the other doorbell in her room at night for my sister's safety, she said, I'm not being woken up by her. She's not my daughter. That day, she was dead to me. Up to then, the separation was pretty amicable. Ended up with her physically assaulting my dad and hacking his emails and dating apps. But after that, I was done more so than even my dad was. So it came time to move and I had the day booked off weeks in advance to help her move stuff into her new apartment. And being a big stocky guy and my dad working that day, it was pretty important that I was there to help her get the heavier things up the stairs to her new place. All I know is if I found myself in this situation, I probably already wouldn't be offering my help but especially after witnessing that go down and the heartlessness and cruelness and lack of any care, that person would be dead to me too. Irrevocably dead. This next story is from Burnt00Toast00. Don't honor my $50 gift card? Enjoy $120 worth of your own food. That'll pretty much says it all. We ordered $120 worth of takeout for a family meal and we chose the restaurant because we had a $50 gift card, which is about four years old. However, in our state, there's a law that gift cards don't expire, so we figured we were good. When I arrived to pay for the food, the woman very politely told me that the gift card is invalid. I asked her what she meant by that, and she said that when she ran it through the processor, 
nothing came up at all, so she can't verify any balance or charge against it at all. She called the restaurant owner over, and he said there's nothing he can do and that he's very sorry, which he was very polite about. I asked why there was nothing he could do, and he said, because we use a new company for gift cards now. I asked if he could give us a discount on the food at all, and he politely declined. At this point, I politely grabbed the gift card back, turned around, and walked out. I hope the kitchen staff enjoys their meals. Do you guys think in a situation like this where somebody has such an old gift card that they don't even use the same vendor anymore, that the manager or owner or whoever should have tried to offer some kind of discount just to be polite to them? Or do you think OP should just kind of let a four-year-old gift card go? I'd like to know what you guys think down in the comments. Our next story is from Daily Joe. My roommate never gets her laundry. This one's pretty simple, but I have a roommate who always leaves her clothes in the dryer for long periods of time, sometimes even for days. At first, I would simply take it out and put it in her basket and move on. Her basket would still stay there for days. Until that is, she got an idea that if she doesn't include her basket anymore, then it would force me to carry her clothes all the way upstairs to her room. And it worked because I did this a few times because I really needed to use the dryer. But of course, I was done with her crap. So, now all I simply do now is take her clothes and put them on top of the dryer. Bonus cat hair while I dry my clothes. After my clothes are done, I put her clothes right back in the dryer. I know you're probably wondering why I don't just leave it on top of the dryer. I do this so that way it doesn't make it easier for her in any way. I want her to struggle down reaching for that last sock. I want her to get annoyed when she's pulling out clothes and some of them accidentally fall on the ground and get cat hair on them. Oh, and she hates bending over. I know this revenge isn't super crazy interesting, but I thought I'd share since doing this, it has worked. She's finally started to catch up and even sheepishly apologize. I don't blame OP. Frankly, I think I would probably get upset enough to consider just leaving it on the ground. In my opinion, if you tell them, pick up your clothes or stay a little bit more on top of it, then yeah, you're going to get a little upset and probably resort to drastic measures, whatever those may be. This next story is from Lmans19. If you rip people off, you probably shouldn't be so nonchalant about it. I read a story about someone with a gift card problem, and it reminded me of this story. This took place in 1993 or 94. My dad expressed interest in working out. So for Christmas, my mom got him a gym membership. After the holidays, my dad drove to the gym to get started. Well, it turned out they were shutting down and liquidating all their equipment. They sold my mom the gift certificate in December and must have known they were closing, yet still took her money. My father demanded a refund, but when the owner refused and was adamant about it, dad asked if the weights were for sale. The owner said yes, and my dad bought 5 pound or 10 pound weights and, on the way out, tossed it through the front window. Once outside, he picked up the weight and threw it back through the window and told the guy he knew there were no refunds, but he could have the dumbbell back. This is the only time I've ever heard of my dad being angry or doing such a thing. He must have really been fuming. Thankfully, this was 30 years ago. Had this happened today, there would have almost certainly been cameras and he probably would have been arrested. Shoot, I'm not gonna lie, even 30 years ago I'm surprised OP's dad didn't get arrested for this. I mean, there's no real proof-proof, necessarily, 
But I mean, the motive's there and the results are there, and I would be willing to bet the police would believe the owner in, you know, not breaking their own windows. And our final story of the day is from Few Understand Satoshi. You didn't get it in writing, slash, no you. Here's a story about the first job that I had a decade ago. So, I was a new but qualified recruit in a small team that was working with a very large client and stakeholder in the company. Despite my skills, it was my first real job fresh out of grad school, so I was inexperienced with office politics, contract law, power hierarchies, etc. The clients had given us an almost impossible task to prototype a complex solution to a technical problem that they had. As the only one on the team with the relevant expertise, the burden fell quickly on me to deliver alone while the others essentially managed. The team leader and effective boss promised me at the beginning that I would get a bonus worth roughly 30% of the salary on which I was hired. Apparently this bonus was a direct financial contribution from the big clients themselves, and the wheels were in motion to get this extra cash. Great, but not really because it wasn't in writing. Over the next two years, however, no such bonus compensation transpired. I would periodically and half-heartedly ask about this bonus during in-person meetings, and I was verbally reassured it was on its way. In hindsight, I would have been more assertive and perhaps sent an email, but again, I was a newbie and unwilling to bite the hand that feeds, so to speak. After these two years, the company began to expand business with the client as a direct result of the work that I was doing on the impossible project. At some point, the clients even present all that hard work of mine at some international conferences, of course claiming it to be their intellectual property and proprietary solution. Although the project ownership rightfully and lawfully belonged to them, the lack of acknowledgement left a bitter taste in my mouth. And worse was that money flowing around and both companies were profiting from two years of painstaking effort, but there was no bonus in sight. So my work contract was also nearing its end in the third year. Obviously, the company wanted to retain me to continue on this project. I was the only one who knew the ins and outs of it. It would be a joint employment between the company and client, as I would be tasked with transitioning the project from the company to the client, which would require several more years to do so. I also went through half a year of specialist training with the clients. Only I could do this job for the foreseeable future. For this, I was offered a decent increase in my salary, but that missing bonus was ruining my trust. At a contract negotiation meeting, I asked about it one last time. The team leader and boss said they had no recollection of such an agreement and offer, and that I should have gotten it in writing. Fair enough. Some lessons are learned the hard way. But the worst realization was that the missing bonus, a measly 30% of the new hire salary for almost three years, was now earmarked for an intern to join me on the project. It was almost a one-to-one calculation, as the client would sponsor the intern with the funds that were intended for a bonus for me. It was the last week of the work contract, and Human Resources had invited me to double-check the document before I was to sign it. Of course, given all the time, money, training, and resources invested in me continuing on this project, and my very real eagerness to do it, it was assumed that I would be here for the long haul, and the work contract was a formality. So what happened next is something that I do not recommend that anyone try at home, or work for that matter. It was a moment of impulse from a reckless youth. However, I was feeling particularly vengeful about this missing bonus. 
My ego had been bruised because I wrongly trusted them to follow through, but I was not clever enough to get the agreement in writing. Well, Uno reverse card moment, there was also no written agreement on my end, so I'd not yet signed the contract. I carefully double-checked my emails, and there was nothing in writing where I agreed to continue on this project, or even this job. In fact, I'd just been verbally enthusiastic about the project during meetings with my boss and the clients. The first new workday rolls around, when I'm officially no longer employed at the company or with the clients. I gave no notice and no warnings. I just abandoned them. On the previous day, I'd left my company pager and phone in the office locker. I had to sacrifice a few personal possessions on the office desk. I logged out of the work email and messenger system so they couldn't reach me. I'm not sure how they responded because I ignored and deflected every single communication which came my way for the following months. It was bliss knowing that I probably caused this company a major catastrophe for the next few years at least. Of course, I could not predict the consequences that they would face from abrupt and unannounced exits, but I didn't have the time to care about them. I had to become selfish, and I had to dip into my savings and relocate and start afresh and anew in another city far away, which was very difficult without references considering the professional bridge that I just burnt, hence the not recommending part, but eventually my skills began to speak for themselves. The last I heard about the company was from an ex-colleague as we reconnected on an online professional network a few years ago. Apparently the company still exists, but it's a shell of its former self, as things went horribly south after I left. They lost a big client as I'd anticipated, no one else had the skill set to do work. The clients are still players in the sectors, but I've had the great fortune of not having had to interact with them so far, but I couldn't have predicted the domino effect that followed in the company. A few more large clients followed soon after because staff had to be reshuffled to do my project and these other clients felt neglected. Now they're downsizing and in the process of being swallowed by a competitor. From what I gather, the other big casualty of the revenge is my ex-boss developed some substance problem around this time to cope with the stress, triggered in part by not being able to contact me for months on end during a critical time in the company's expansion. Throw in a divorce too because this work stress destroyed the marriage as well. I did feel a bit guilty when my ex-colleague explained all this, and still do. Is it enough for me to right my wrongs and write an apology or something? Not really, but perhaps I'm wrong here. I'm open to suggestions. Note, this ex-boss has tried to get in touch with me a few more times, some years after things went downhill, but I was just too busy, so I just continued to ghost strategy. But anyway, here is to dumb butt ink. I hope it was worth the measly bonus that I deserved. I was brought on as a new recruit, and I was a junior who had to lead the project from the get-go. I had to work hard and learn new skills in the hours outside of work, so the fat clients and middle management can reap the rewards, not on my vengeful watch. The reason that I'm writing this is somewhat cathartic. The company did some crappy things, and so do I. But this missing bonus still eats me from time to time. I could have bought a house and I could have settled down in that old town. I wouldn't have been displaced for months and living with my head just above water, having to rebuild myself for a good few years following that. Abandoning the project and the job was professional suicide at the time, but my revenge was such that whatever happened, I would try to get through life without groveling back to that company. 
Of course, this arrogant jerkery of mine, born from this hatred having not gotten that bonus, still has at least one unwritten chapter. At the current workplace, where I'm also a stakeholder now, I'm now proposing a new version of that old project I began a decade ago and never got the chance to see to completion. It would be nice to showcase a patent during an international conference attended by those big former clients. That would be the real bonus. So yeah, mistakes all around with, at best, mixed endings for all parties. Pro-revenge by pro-suicide, I guess. But at least it finally is good to get this in writing. Do you guys agree with me in not blaming OP for what they did at all, considering they totally stiffed OP and then tried to cover it up as if, I didn't ever hear about no bonus. Wouldn't you want to leave too? Let me know down in the comments. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another revenge story that was crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 